Okay, hello everyone, welcome to the episode 27 Pushing Rubber podcast. My name's Adam Piggott. Um, no guitar intro today, as I'm a little, been a little bit crook. You noticed that last week uh, there wasn't a podcast. Um, for those who follow, that was my cat, by the way, just being an idiot. Uh, for those who follow my blog, they know you know that uh, a couple of weeks ago I posted um, about how I um, have been diagnosed with this really weird parasite um, that I picked up while I was working as a rafting guide on the White Nile, which was back in the late 90s. So, you know, this is this is pretty close to 20 years ago, um, stuff going on anyway. I wrote a post called Taking My Medicine. Um, so the thing that I was being treated for um, was a thing called schistosomiasis, uh, which sounds pretty cool. And they gave me these, uh, I saw the infectious disease specialist at the local hospital, and they gave me these six pool, pills, and basically this parasite gets into you, it burrows up through your feet, lives in snails there in the, on the White Nile, and it's found all over the world, like uh, apparently lots of tourists to go and swim in Lake Malawi, get it, you can get it in Southeast Asia as well, just uh, not even to go through water, you can walk through like wet grass, or something like that. Um... And the parasite will get into you and go into whichever part of your body it feels like just going into at the time. Um, so uh, the the doctor was telling me stories about you know it gets into someone's eyes and they go blind. He had a, he had a uh, a patient who had gotten to his spine and he was paralysed below the waist. Um, I've had ex-colleagues of mine, one's got leukemia, one's had his gallbladder out. Um, so, you know, and the leukemia the guy's got is follicular lymphoma, um, which is a cancer of the blood system. That's not so great. So uh, my test came back way over the top, um, but I didn't have any symptoms of being sick or anything. And the doctor reckoned that I... Him, me and the parasites, me and the little guys have been in like a, a symbiotic relationship uh, for all this time. They've been doing their thing and I've been doing mine. He said, which is fine until something goes wrong with you in another area <coughs> and then you can start having problems. And I didn't know what part of my body they were in. But that's okay because they gave me these six pills and I took the pills and that would have killed the parasite. So what they didn't tell me um, was how dead parasites get out of your system, to put it mildly. So I just assumed they'd, they'd you know, I don't know, they'd magically leave. Um, but what has to happen is that you're, you've got all these dead parasites in you now in, in a certain area of your body, and, and basically your body's immune system has to go, this ain't cool, um, and expel them. And you do that by getting really sick, which is what I've been uh, for the last week, um, at proper sick, not poof to sick. Um, um, just fucked, basically. Absolutely fucked. I mean, fucked. Uh, you can probably still hear it a bit in my voice. I'm hopeful to go to cricket training tomorrow. 
I missed a, a cricket match and cricket training last week, so I was just so crap. The one good thing about this is apparently it's either from the doctors worked out from me getting sick, where I got sick, and how I got sick, which I won't go into detail. But they reckon that the little buggers are either in my bowel or my bladder, uh, and so the doctor said to me, "Drink beer, lots of beer." because beer's great because uh, they flush them out of the system. Alcohol's good for getting rid of them, but it's not too strong an alcohol. So so I came back from, you know, visit to the doctor with a carton of beer on my shoulder, the wife going, what's that for? I said, that's medicine, baby. Yeah, you know it. Ha! So that's what I've been doing. Uh, what else have I been doing? Gloating the Trump victory and me being so right for so long. Um, the thing I'm really liking about the left bleating um, is that one of the um, one of the fanfares of the progressive globalist left for the past year or so has been to accuse those of us um, on the other side of the culture wars of being on the wrong side of history. Yeah, that was their sneering, condescending put down um, whenever we would object to their um their winning basically which they were doing a lot of it uh this year we've had brexit and trump so if anyone's now on the wrong side of history it's the progressive sjw social marxist left um and i've taken no small joy in constantly sticking it up them on facebook um, as regards to that, I've been pretty merciless on Facebook. I've, I've just gone for the throat. I think, uh, luckily, we don't have Thanksgiving here in Australia because I, I wouldn't be invited for anything anywhere. Um, but I've I just, uh, you know, when, when, when they're down, when you've got them down on the canvas, uh, what you need to do is not give them a helping hand and help them up, but to stomp on their face. Um, preferably get a pillow and put it over their head and kneel on it. I think is the is the best thing to do in this case. Uh, so definitely not letting them off the hook. Um, so I've been going quite hard in that regard, and it's been it's been pretty pretty joyful. Um, and my progressive mates are just melting down on social media. It is a total social media meltdown. I mean, every day, post after post of the end of the world. I'm loving the fact that they want to change the U.S. college electoral system, where I mean, Obama won last the democrats won the last two elections you just had eight years but now that you lose one suddenly the whole system's rigged i mean it's just they're just children these people are children in adults bodies they're kidlets they are, and and this is who's been running the show i mean honestly i was talking to my wife about this last night over some drinks at a really nice new bar we discovered in melbourne in the city, um, which I can't remember the name of now, but it's on Russell Street for those in Melbourne. Uh, if you live in Melbourne, you want to know the name of the bar, drop me an email, I'll let you know. Um, great little bar, really good food. And we were there last night, and I, just, I said to her, look, this is, this is the most exciting time to be alive in the last 70 years, since the end of the Second World War. Because at the end of the Second World War, Europe and Western civilization was so shattered that they... They declared war on nationalism. And they declared war on white males because white males were to blame, you know, notwithstanding the fact that white males built Western civilization, where we were declared the enemy. And that's been a progressive 70 year fuck over. And this year, 2016, this has just been 
I'd, I'd say the best best year of my life watching this happen. Really, I do think that this is a turning point. Um, and and as I wrote the other day, uh, Trump is not <coughs> the God Emperor as Vox Day calls him. He's not going to save you from yourselves, but he's the example to follow that you can now stand up on your own two feet and you know that he's got your back and you know that the policies have got, has got, have got your back, even if you don't live in America, even if you don't live in America. Look, there was a great um, post on Ace of Spades. Let me drag it up. I, was, I, I haven't prepared this, but I just thought of it now. I, I read it this morning. If you don't read Ace of Spades, HQ... You should be reading Ace of Spades. Um, and let me just find, let me just find, because that's not it. That's an old one that I bookmarked. Okay, here we go. All right. Um, so he's got a post that says, and I'll, I'll link this. So let me just write this down. Here are my links. I'm going to link Ace of Spades in the show notes. So the post leadership makes a difference. Um, and uh, Ace went through his um, cleaning at his email inbox and he found an email from 2004 um, and it was about about the November elections uh, of that year. Um, Someone was attending a national pastors convention and there was a a bunch of different thousands of pastors from many different denominations from around the world and he was in, this uh, guy was introduced to a pastor from Uzbekistan. Um, so he was the one who travelled the furthest to attend the convention, and so this guy wanted to interview him, not Ace, the guy he received the email from. Um, the guy liked him, he was humble, he was sincere, he was gracious, he apologised for his bo- broken English. Um, he talked about the church, he passes of a few hundred people in, in uh, Uzbekistan, which borders Afghanistan, he also shared how it is illegal in his country to be a Christian. So his church is an underground church. Uh, and amazingly, his city also has three underground Christian schools. He talked about how the Christians have been arrested and even killed in his country. Then as the, this is the, this is the important bit. Then as the interview was about to end, he began to speak very urgently and passionately. He, says, he said something to this effect. I would like all of you to know that my church and the Christians in my country are praying that President Bush will be re-elected. Uh, the guy was stunned, uh, and the MC didn't know what to do next. Uh, however, the, this Uzbekistan pa- pastor um, continued. He grabbed the microphone firmly in his hand. So he's addressed the whole thousands of pastors here. The officials in my country are afraid of President Bush, so they don't persecute Christians as much. <clears throat> Under Clinton, it was very bad. He's talking about Bill Clinton. Under Clinton, it was very bad for us. Many of us were arrested and put in jail, and some were killed. With Clinton, it was very bad. But under President Bush, it has been so much better. So we are praying for him. Uh, it turns out this is true. Ace went back and did, he thought it might have been one of those internet anecdotes, you know, that's, that's false. But the guy wrote back and said, yeah, this really happened. I was really, really there. Um, and this is, um, and Ace uses this as an example of how important US elections um, are and you need to use this as an example of what of what the election of Trump will mean. I mean, Trump's already getting started. I mean, he, he put his YouTube video out yesterday uh, of what he intends, ten minute video of what he intends for his first hundred days. 
completely bypassing mainstream media. And he's done that. He hasn't even taken office. I mean, how much of a slap in the face is this to Obama? He, Trump is just going straight for it. So he's going to be a huge example. And so now all of you, all of you sh- um, shit-stirring, um, alt-right um, guys on the other side of the culture wars, you now know that you can stand up and the most powerful leader in the world's got your back. This doesn't excuse you to be an idiot like the uh, alt-white um, uh, lot are doing um, under, what's his name? Um, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Richard Spencer, uh, who seems to be, this Richard Spencer's guy seems to be wagging his, waving, waving his flag um, as if he's going to, be the, the leader of the alt-right. I'd be very distrustful of this. Um, the whole reason that Gamergate worked so well was because there was no identifiable leader um, that could be attacked in this sense. There's Look, the Tea Party was destroyed by this. There's going to be a lot of jumpers on the bandwagon. And it's imperative, guys. It's imperative that you don't fall for the bullshit you don't fall for the leadership bullshit um what you need to do is to be able to look at at every commentator that that you admire and that you uh read listen to or watch to get their thoughts on subjects um and you need to cherry pick what you agree with with these different people and what you don't. And this is called called forming your own opinions, creating your own frame, creating the all the little subsets of who you are and, and what works for you, because we are all different. If I look at my at my blog roll sidebar, I've got twenty odd sites that I go to and I've got other ones that aren't on my blog roll. I suppose I should mean, uh, put them up there. I mean Ace of Spades is a good one. Woodpile Report is another really good one. Um, but I don't agree with everything that these guys are saying. Like with Vox, Vox Day over at Vox Popoli, um, I probably agree with about 70% um, of what, 60%, 70% of what Vox um, says. Um, 10 to 15, 20% sitting on the fence. Another 20% totally disagree with what he's saying. The stuff that I disagree with what he's saying doesn't, doesn't then make irrelevant the stuff that I agree with and vice versa. But you have to you have to look at this stuff and cherry pick it. That's why Voxy's got his evil legion of evil. I, I'm never going to join something like that. I'm never going to join anything. I don't want to, as I wrote the other day, I don't want to join your clubs. I don't want to be your friend. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you join, as soon as you become a follower like that, you have to believe everything they say because if... You don't. If they say something, a if you don't, and you and you criticise them, and the, the other followers will jump on you mindlessly. And as much as I enjoy reading Vox Day's site, some of the comment threads that go through there and people objecting and objections to some stuff that I agree with uh, get smashed down not by Vox, but by but by his his mindless followers. In some in some aspects, I call them mindless followers. So. You really, really have to be very circumspect 
and pick and choose what you agree with, what you disagree with from every um, commentator that's out there, myself included. I don't, I don't expect all of you to agree with, with everything I write. If you did agree with everything I write, I'd, I'd look on you with great suspicion. Yeah? And I don't agree with everything I write. I change my mind. You know, that's a, changing your mind, reforming your opinions, um, moving around on the political sphere as you try to work out what works and what doesn't, is the sign of someone who is, at heart, an honest individual. The, I think a good example of this is Christopher Hitchens. And Christopher Hitchens, in his youth, was, uh, in his early 20s, mid-20s, was a strident member of the far left. He even went to Cuba, I think it was, on a, um, on a camp for young socialists or something like this. Um, and then he completely fell out. He began falling out with the left, um, first of all, over the Salman Rushdie um, death threats in 1989 from the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. And Hitchens was appalled at, uh, at the, the way that the left rolled over on that one. And then on, uh, furthermore, on the um, Iraq war and the invasion of Iraq by American Bush in 2003. So Hitchens ended up being, I have to say, I mean, if you looked at him today and what it was in his last 10 years, he was firmly in the right, as in the political right. And, but of course, um, the left, progressives, always attack people um, by, or one of the ways they attack people is by saying, well, you said this, you said this, you, now you've changed your position, you've changed your mind. And, well, yes, I said it 20 years ago, and yes, I changed my mind because I've got more experiences now. I've got more information. I've got more education. Um, I've got a more complete summation of life and knowledge. Of course I'm going to reform my opinions. Look, most... As I've said earlier at the start of this podcast, most people are progressive, on the progressive left, they're all infantile. They're stuck in, in, in childhood. And so children do not reform their opinions. They stick their fingers in their ears while they say, na 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 because they don't want to hear anything different. So you can't agree with everything that I'm going to write or say because that means you're not thinking for yourself. Think for yourself. There's the classic scene in the life of Brian where they're all standing outside Brian's window and... And he says, please with them, they all have to be individuals and they all chant together in unison, yes, we're all individuals. And then one guy goes, I'm not. Probably one of the truest moments in film. Everyone laughs at it. The same people who laugh at that and think that's hilariously funny are the same mindless progressives who go around bleating the same idiocies that you hear all the time. So you really, really have to... Well, let's, let's give you an example. It's actually tied in quite well with what I was going to say here. So uh, Black Dragon, uh, Manosphere writer, um, who I have on my sidebar as well, uh, put up a post uh, about a week ago uh, called The Story of My History with Women um, Being Monogamously Married. As soon as I saw this post, my antenna picked up. Ding! And the reason for that is Black Dragon, as a Manosphere writer, is very, very anti-marriage. Very anti-marriage. And there are a lot of Manosphere writers who are anti-marriage. But he's, he's one of the 
if you get married, you're a loser types. Now, you have to come to writers and people on YouTube and talking heads, anyone who's putting themselves out there and commentating with opinions, you have to understand that they are, of course, commentating via a spectrum of a sum of their life experiences. So if someone is anti-marriage in a huge way, and he's basically saying, and look, don't get me wrong, getting married these days, it's a minefield out there. And those of you who've read my pieces know about this, but I even did a podcast on marriage the other week. Someone who's anti-something like this, and now I find, now I discover here's a, a post, and he's written just the other day about his experiences being monogamously married. Without reading the post, my antenna immediately picked up and I went, aha, let's see now. Let's see why Black Dragon is so anti-marriage. So we'll go through this a little bit. Um, And now I'm gonna be reading from his post. Uh, At the age of 24, um, he came to a hard decision. Um, even though he didn't want to get married, didn't want a girlfriend, he really wanted kids for some reason. Uh, and he had this uh, uh, idolized, idealized visualization of him driving home after a long day's work, getting out of his cool black sports car. I'm reading what he's written, but I'm putting it in the third person as opposed to the first person. Walking up to his beautiful house, seeing his gorgeous blonde wife in the doorway smiling and having two little kids, one girl and one boy, run out to meet me. Uh, Look, and I love the Black Black Dragons being honest here. I really, it's great. You know, it's great. And like I said, he's one of the bloggers that I read. Do I agree with everything that he writes? No. And one of the things that I don't agree with is his very anti-marriage stand. So anyway, he set out at the age of 24 to create that little love nest family unit for himself. Uh, And he actually wrote down a list of traits that he wanted his future perfect woman to have. Now, first of all, for me, anyone who writes down a list of traits in what they want to have in a perfect partner is not the sort of individual that you want to be in that point of time in their life because they are just emotionally immature. You know, if, you, if you're writing down a list of traits, there's that great scene in um, the George uh, uh, Clooney movie where he's, I think it's up in the air, where he flies around sacking people for a job. Uh, and the, the, he's offside of the, the young girl he's working with is like listing out her requirements. You know, he's, he's got to have a golden Labrador. What? What? Log walks on the beach. All right, so already bang. He's, he's, he's formulated this idea in his mind at 24 of what he wants to have, this, this fantasy. <coughs> and he probably wanted this at the time. He probably, and I'm just guessing, he probably wanted this because he didn't feel adult yet. And that was his image. That was the cookie-cutter societal program image of what, for him, adulthood, how he envisaged adulthood, getting out of his sports car and beautiful blonde wife and mummy and two kids boy and girl mommy and daddy great house blah 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 he's a successful man 
He would have felt like a man, felt like an adult. And, and that's understandable. That's understandable. So a few months later, he found, or he, to more accurately, as yes, he wrote, he thought he found his future perfect wife. Uh, a very cute 31-year-old. Bang. All right. He's 24. As soon as, as soon as he's written that she's seven years older than him, she could have been one year older than him. It's a mistake. You, you guys, your wife, your wife has to be younger than you. It's just not going to work otherwise. It's just not going to work. Um, there's so many reasons for this, but this is like a huge tell. So he's making some serious mistakes even before he's getting married. Uh, they hit it off, great sex, blah, 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 blah. He started, he stopped dating other women. I haven't got a problem with that. For him, that's a mistake. Well, I haven't done a problem with that. If it's going to be, um, I stopped dating other women soon after I met my wife. I haven't got a problem with it. He told her he loved her. Eh, well, as I, I wrote a post a while ago, I think I did a podcast a while ago about saying that you love her, so yeah. Uh, I stopped. He stopped using condoms with her and started coming inside her. Even when he knew she wasn't on any birth control, he figured, "Hey, I want kids, don't I?" Mm. Not so great. Here's the next. Here's the next huge one. She had a five-year-old son from a prior fling, and soon she was begging him to move in with her. So, look. There's just no way I'd get involved with any woman who has any prior children. There's just no way. I am not going to bring up another man's offspring. It's not going to happen. And I think that's one of the ultimate beta moves. Yeah. Alpha goes around impregnating women, goes away, and lets some other poor schmuck bring him up. So Black Dragon was making some serious fucking errors here. Serious fucking errors. So she moved in. They became engaged a little later on two conditions that Black Dragon gave her. The first was that they were going to have more kids. And that secondly, that her son had to become his son and would call him dad. I just... It's just, it's just so many mistakes here. So many mistakes. As Black Dragon admits himself. They were married to November that year which is very fast. Uh, I'm going to quote directly from Black Dragon now. I was stupid. My idiotic, irrational justification for being married as a 25-year-old beater was that I wanted kids badly. I felt I had waited enough and I could afford them. And like many of you, I moronically assumed that the only way to have kids is to get... <coughs> excuse me, get married. God, I was so fucking stupid. For the next nine years Lacey and I lived in marital bliss in inverted commas such as it was her son became my son we had a daughter together I had my two kids one boy and one girl just like I had always visualized uh, the part of the marriage I liked he also you know he he was living the visualization he was coming home at the end of the day and it was what he'd envisage however the rest of the arrangement I hated if I wanted to have sex and she didn't uh, which was usually the case. I was a seething volcano of blue balls. 
as I went through life looking at other hot chicks, I couldn't stand that I was not allowed to touch them just because I had signed a piece of paper called a marriage contract. Buyer's remorse. Sometimes that was me saying that, by the way. Sometimes pretty women would flirt with me and I knew I couldn't do anything physical about it. It physically hurt to be sexually caged like this, like a defanged toothless line in a crate. My God. Continuing. And the drama. Oh Lord, the drama. We generally got along and she was good at giving me my space, but it was still a marriage. No, it was a beta marriage. Continuing. Every move her or I made had to be discussed in committee with the other. Uh, she was a good wife. That didn't change the fact that every major financial decision, household decision, child decision, family decision, or whatever, had to be discussed, argued about, concessions made, and compromises agreed upon. God damn, it was a lot of work. At least all the other married guys I knew were going through the exact same thing in their marriages. I found solace in listening to other three-plus-year years married men bitch about not getting very much sex arguing with their bitchy wives, having their checking accounts drained with stupid wife expenses, uh, and all the other crap monogamous married guys must suffer through. On it goes. Look, as far as Black Dragon is concerned, all monogamous married guys will suffer like he did. Well, it's not the case. I'm a monogamous married guy. I don't suffer like that. My wife and I do not. It's not Our marriage is not hard work. It's the opposite. It's easy because I married the right person. I didn't marry someone who's seven years older than me. She's eight years younger than me. I didn't marry someone who had kids. I didn't make, marry someone who was a ball breaker. I didn't make, marry someone who was gonna use sex as a weapon and play emotional guilt trips and manipulation games. Marriages and relationships are not meant to be hard. They're meant to be easy. They're meant to support each other. Together, it's easier than being apart. That's the only reason to get married, kiddies. Together, your life is better than if it was you were apart. And the reason that it's better is because you're both strong adults. So my whole point is, is that Black Dragon went through a terrible marriage that he went into for all the wrong reasons, which he himself admits. But, but his takeout from this is that all marriage is bad, all marriage is stupid. Based on his own personal experiences. Now that is understandable. That is understandable. Let's go back to my original point. If you're reading people like this, people like him, people like me, people like Vox Day, all these guys, if you're watching the YouTube channel, if you're listening to the podcast, you have to understand that what you're listening to and reading and watching is a sum total of these people's experiences. And most people are not able to disassociate themselves from their own bias that they have as a result of their emotional investment in these sort of experiences and decisions and how they've affected their life. And this is a classic example that I'm using now with Black Dragon. This is an absolutely classic example. He's against all marriage. Why? He's had a terrible marriage. It was a disaster for him. And his life post-marriage has been 
fantastically better. His take from that is, all marriage is bad. If you mindlessly follow, just as an example, Black Dragon, then your takeout is going to be that all marriage is bad. Whereas the opposite of that is true. Now let's now go to me. My marriage is outstanding. I think I have the best marriage of anyone that I know, apart from my mate Darcy. He's got a pretty fantastic marriage. Um, do I come across telling you that all marriage is fantastic and to go out and get married at the drop of a hat? No. Because I'm able to come th- through my some total of my experiences but look at it in an objectified, neutral, disassociated manner. Why am I able to do that? Maybe I've got a bit more self-awareness. Maybe I've got a bit more life experience. I've worked pretty hard on myself the last 20 years. A lot of what's termed as self-improvement, though I like to term making yourself, as my fantastic regular reader Joe told me was a better way to say it, and I completely agree with him. Men make yourselves. We, we make ourselves. Women go out and find themselves. Self-improvement, fine, I can live with that as a, as a descriptor. So it's really critical, important, guys, that you come to this stuff with this in mind. And so if you read someone like Black Dragon who says that all marriage is bad, and then if you read or listen to someone like me who's saying, oh, some marriage can be good, you have to juggle this around. You have to look at it. You have to weigh these things up. Rollo Tomasi has been married for almost 20 years. He's got kids. Fox Day has been married over a decade. On and on it goes. Are all of us examples of marriage being terrible? And happily married, by the way. I know for a fact. Your choices are what determine the outcome of what these things are going to be. Like just today, I've written a post, which I'm quite happy with, uh, called How to Resist Blue Pill Parenting. And this is as a result of a post that Rollo has about red pill fatherhood. And his new book's going to be about, uh, uh, a lot of it's going to be about red pill fatherhood, so I'm very, very uh, keen to to read that. But basically, if you're going to be a red pill father and you're going to buck the trend, you have to do that from the beginning. And that that means from the beginning of your relationship with a woman, not from when a child's born. So as I said on my post, one of the, once I realized that my future wife was, was, was going to be a serious contender, I let her know exactly what my opinions and expectations were on certain matters. And one of them was children. And one of the things I said to her was, uh, I'd, if we ever have kids, I have no intention of being in the delivery room. I have no intention of being in the fucking hospital. How did my wife react to this? Not great. She was like, well, we probably won't have kids then. And I was like, fine. But just so you know, that's going to be my, my stand on this. You've got to do these stands from the beginning. You've got to set your frame from the beginning. You can't just like muddle along. And hope that it's going to be all right. If you want to be a red pill parent, 
you've got to start off red pill. You can't start off blue pill. It's like guys saying, uh, um, uh, if a woman's pregnant, you know, or you can't say anything that's going to upset her. Huh, what? What? I don't care what your hormonal or emotional state is. You don't leverage that to get a pass on bad behaviour or to get an acceptance on what would otherwise be unreasonable demands. That's what I wrote today in my post. I don't care if you're pregnant and you're hormonal. Treat me, treat me with a bit of respect here. You're not, going to get a, you're not going to get a pass now just because you can use this as an excuse. And it's really easy to find women who are going to use shit like that as an excuse because women have their monthly period. They get PMT, premenstrual tension, if you don't know what that is, you little idiots. So, you know, you just have to wait for the first month at most, at most, and see how she handles that. And if she's a raving lunatic, well, let's see you later. You don't want anyone who's going to be using emotional mood swings as an excuse to treat you like shit. So you can do this right from the very word go. You've got to be red pill right from the very word go. How else are you going to set your frame? Well, well. Here's what I, I wrote a post back in April about how the modern man should not be near a delivery room. It didn't get much attention. I was hoping that I'd upset all the femos, but nah, nothing. Nah. Here's what I wrote. A man's place during the birth is with his fellow men. They should celebrate the impending arrival in an atmosphere of supporting joviality. When the news arrives of a successful outcome, the proud father should make his way to the hospital to be with his wife and new child. I'll just add, probably take a selfie. Hmm? Right. That done, he should leave them in peace and get back to the boys where the serious business of whiskey and cigars is about to begin. I'm not being flippant here. This is how it was done amongst men since the dawn of time. Don't tell me that all those fathers were bad people. The woman has all the professional support and personal support from her friends and family members, all female, that they need in the delivery room. The father needs his own support as well. That's key. And you, you have rights, guys. You have reproductive rights as well. Right. So if you're going to be, if you're going to buck this trend and not be a blue pill father, it doesn't start after the birth. The first step, okay, all right, is your clear break to attend any antenatal classes. You're not going to be going along learning how to massage a fucking belly. You're not going to be watching disgusting videos of, of, of children being born. Men are not supposed to be in delivery room. This is serious women's business. And aren't women supposed to be strong and independent all the fucking time? So why the fuck do they need us in there with them? The truth is that women get an absolute hormonal surge during a birth. Absolute surge. Which causes them to forget everything that went on. So they can go and do it again. That's the way nature works. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't get that hormonal surge. You don't forget. Look, look. Every, every guy I've ever spoken to who's been present at the birth of his children in public will do the dutiful thing and go, oh, it was the most amazing experience of my life. And they got a thousand-yard stare. You know that it was a fucking shit train. And by the way, if you did were present for the birth and it was a shit train and people ask you how it was in public, you need to be able to say it's a shit train. If you look around and go, oh, you blue pill. You blue pill. This red pill stuff, blue pill stuff. It's red pill stuff. You're gonna be red pill, guys. You gotta be red pill. You gotta stand up and be a man. And if you can't be a man in your own house, if you're creeping around the woman with the pregnant because you're afraid of what she's gonna do, you ain't red pill. There's no fucking way you're red pill. You're as blue as blue as blue can be. You don't, you don't, it's not situational red pill, guys. 
Yeah, it's not like oh, I'm going to be a bit red pill now, but then I better be blue pill over here. You're under the fucking thumb. It's either red pill or it's blue pill. There is no purple pill. There is no in between, unless you're making the transition. You don't go off. You don't go around uh, buying baby carriages and breast pumps. It's another thing you don't do before the birth. You just don't do it. What else? What are, you, what are we supposed to do? Fuel the car. Make the cot. Bash it into place. Get it in the room. There you go. There's your cot. Right? That's it. That's your job. If you balk... But the very idea of saying these things to your wife, if the whole idea of saying, even, even bringing up the fact that you don't want to be present for the delivery room, let alone go to the antenatal classes, let alone go shopping for breast pumps, if the very thought of, that, thought of this sends you into convulsions of fear, you are not red pill. You are blue pill through and through, and you are going to be a blue pill father. And that's a fact, Jack. I'm going to read you something, and I'll quote this as well. I'll link this as well. From a, a, a site called uh, Urban Survival, saying the men have no reproductive rights. Now, this is what awaits you guys if you don't red pill your frame from the very beginning with your woman. Okay? And you can't do it afterwards. You either start on red pill or you don't start on red pill. You can't start a relationship with a woman in blue pill frame and then switch to red pill. It doesn't work. The only thing you can do if you wake up is, is leave her and go and start again with someone else with, from red pill from the beginning. That's a fact, Jack. Listen to this. I'm just going to read it verbatim. So this is on men have no reproductive rights. Then, if there's a baby, the young man has no actual choices left as a practical matter. All the choices thereafter are those of the mummy. Kill baby or not kill the baby. Put baby up for adoption or keep baby. Stay with daddy or dump daddy. Marriage optional because daddy pays either way. If baby is both born alive and disabled, mummy decides whether to adopt baby out or keep baby. If she goes on welfare, daddy must not live with his family ever. Mummy decides. If she keeps baby, daddy is on the hook for caring for baby for daddy's life, plus daddy's estate owes everything, potentially to past and future care of baby. This makes daddy a very poor marriage prospect for other women. Reduced income, alternate weekends, and one night a week blowing, plus emotional and financial ongoing costs of children not even in the home who likely resent stepmummy. Mummy, on the other hand, can marry or hook up again with a nearly guaranteed support check. And if she likes, the new man can be called and treated like daddy. Even if daddy dies, social security steps in and pays. And health insurance, daddy. College, probably daddy. Does that sound attractive to you? Does that sound like a good deal? That, my friends, is blue pill. That's what that is. That is blue pill parenting. And that's because daddy did not start off on a red pill foot. 
I look forward to Rollo's book on red pill parenting. And I don't know how he's going to approach it. But you must understand that this starts from the beginning of your relationship with a woman who's going to be the mother of your children. You can't dip your toe in and out. You can't be a situational red pillar. You're either red pill and alpha or you're blue pill and beta. It's one of the two. If what I just read out to you doesn't sound like much fun, well, you know what you've got to do. You stand up for yourself at the beginning, you set your frame, you set the expectation, and you'll get some, you'll get some pushback on that. That's your short-term pain. The long-term gain of that is you're a red pill father. And once you've, you've established yourself in a concrete way, well, you've established yourself. And if you've chosen the right person to be the mother of your children, you should be fine. If, however, you go through the short, you go for the short-term gain, which is to not say anything, because, oh, you can't say anything to a pregnant woman because, oh, you don't do that, do you? That'd be crazy. And all the other mistakes that people can make, just like I outlined when I read Black Dragon's post there. You'll, you'll get your short-term gain, yeah? And then you'll have that long-term pain. Now... I know which of the two I prefer. You don't get short-term gain, long-term gain, boys. That doesn't exist. That's like that's known as fantasy progressive world. Okay? So, there you go. That's my podcast for today. I think that's pretty kick-ass. In summation, you need to be able to think for yourself. You need to be able to read and listen and watch these different commentators, opinion pieces, opinion makers, and cherry-pick the bits that work for you and the bits that don't. And as regards to a red pill, you're either all the way or you're blue pill through and through. Shout-outs. Aaron Clary sponsors this podcast um, over at Captain Capitalism. Got his new book, Reconnaissance Man, which I reviewed the other week. Um, and I might have some more news on that in the future because Aaron and I are talking about something we might be doing there as regards with that. Um, but I'll, I'll keep it under a hat until Aaron announces it, if we decide to go ahead. Um, you can check him out. He's got his own podcast. Aaron's doing two podcast a week now um he's doing uh, a curse-free podcast and his usual um curseful podcast i i, I gotta prefer I, I, sorry i prefer the curse podcast it's, it's just funnier I, I actually listened to his podcast <coughs> excuse me this morning and i was laughing so that was good um and as regards for me adam piggott you can check out my site pushing rubber downhill.com which is linked here on the side of SoundCloud I've got my two books uh, Pushing Rubber Downhill um, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures the story of how I became the fun loving individual I am by being a whitewater rafting guy and my new book Run Guts Pull Cones A Rafting Adventure in the Italian Alps about a five month season rafting in the Italian Alps all the shenanigans we got to up to and the dynamics when guys living in a closed space and females intrude on that is the, the background theme for that book. 
which I think is quite groovy. So check those out. Um, thanks for listening. Um, if you like this, then you can follow me here on SoundCloud. Um, tell your friends, tell your enemy, enemies, tell your wife. Ah! And uh, don't you go changing. I'll see you next week.